Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome back to the School of Humanity podcast with Jason and Rachel Bowman. This is episode 13 and we are speaking about Ignatian spirituality, and in particular, the discernment of spirits. We, Rachel, have been talking about desolation over the last couple episodes, and last time we discussed what not to do when you are feeling down and distant from God in desolation. And that in particular was to not change Right. The resolutions that you had made in your spiritual life while you were being consoled, while you were in a state of consolation and clarity. Right. Where you felt close it to the It just says Lord. not to make any changes at all. So, um, I remember having a spiritual director that I was telling him that I was doing the, the rules of discernment, and his response was, I've never gotten past rule five. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he said that, you know, that it was the strong, the most important rule to remember. And so it was, has always been hard for him to even get past rule five. <laughs> well, he needs to read rule six. Because <laughs> one of the things that rule six discusses is that, you know, as far as what you do outwardly, you shouldn't change it. However, inwardly, right, you should very much start attacking the desolation confronting it right right so that would be a good time for me to read it right yes let's do that so rule six the sixth although in desolation we should not change our first proposals it is very advantageous to change ourselves intensely against the desolation itself as by insisting more upon prayer meditation upon much examination and upon extending ourselves in some suitable way of doing penance Yes, yeah, so, I mean, when you're in desolation, you don't feel like doing anything, let's be honest. Right. You feel like uh, you're very attracted to the lower things, you know, to mundane We're just attracted things. to nothing, which is pretty mundane. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thomas Merton would say you're, you, you sort of, you give in to your false self, that self that that wants to um, dive into lower things. You know, an example that comes to mind is, you know, you're feeling somewhat desolate. You're, you're a person who is wanting to become a saint. You're, you're seeking holiness. You're in a time of desolation. And so it's very easy to pick up your phone and scroll through Facebook or get on the you computer. You guys can't see Jason right now, but he's looking right at me. I know <laughs> there's no one else in the room, but I still feel like he's calling me out a little bit. I just thought we were having a dialogue. Oh, okay. I didn't know. Um, I felt like um, maybe I'm just guilty. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, that's, um, you're projecting. Okay. Um, so, uh, so, but there's this, if you were to like encapsulate that moment, there is a decision there, right? So, you know you should fight against this desolation, which is calling you to lower things, such as the internet or 
watching some <laughs> senseless television. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because now he's intentionally not looking at me. <laughs> um, but I do know people that do that, honey, that, right. <laughs> that intentionally, you know, watch... I know mindless you, television. You you feel bad for them and you look down. I do. I I mean I didn't say high. I look, look down on them. I don't look down on a lot of people, um, mostly because I'm only like five feet tall. But anyway, the it, it's true that you're definitely drawn to the things that don't require your heart. Right. They don't require much of anything, um, and you'd rather just kind of stew in nothingness, you know. Right. Um, so what St. Ignatius is calling us to do is in those moments, which are so, they're subtle, but at the same time, they're like, that's where the battle is, you know? I mean, that's where, like, the rubber meets the road, is are you going to turn against this, this tendency towards lower things and fight, you know? Right. There's this awesome, I think I shared one last time, but... In the Discernment of Spirits uh, by Father Timothy Gallagher, he starts every one of the chapters off with a really awesome quote. And so this chapter, Spiritual Desolation, a Time for Initiative, was a, is a quote from Emily Dickinson, and it says, To fight aloud is very brave, but gallanter I know who charge within the bosom the cavalry of woe. Which is so awesome. Right. And just talks about the fact that Desolation is meant to be something that you, you attack, that you change. Right. And I mean, even if you look at the language of the rule, he first restates rule five, which is pretty cool that he's, rule five was so important that he felt like he needed to restate it. But he then says, it is very advantageous to change ourselves intensely. Yeah. I mean, I think that it takes great courage and great stamina to charge against these interior um, movements of our heart, more so than things that are uh, exterior, if you will, or involve other people. But are you willing to sit in silence and face these things? You know, we would rather retreat and and distract ourselves. Yeah, I think one of the biggest lies that we, we all tend to believe occasionally is that that when we're in desolation, we just kind of have to passively wait until we're out of desolation. Like right. not really do anything, not put ourselves in any situations where um, we can face anything at all, whether it be the desolation itself or even giving into the desolation, but we kind of um, become recluses within our own darkness, you know? Right. And I mean, there are people, very holy people, I might add, who have been on this journey of, you know, I feel like you're looking at me again because you feel like I'm a very holy person. But continue. Who are trying to seek God. um, And for years have sort of told themselves that, well, this is, this is what the Lord has for me. You know, like I'm, I'm called to just sit in this distance from him. And it's right. a lie, right. you know. Uh, fa- actually, Father Gallagher talks about a story where he met, I think it was a, a religious, and um, after kind of um, expounding some of this, some of this um, Ignatian spirituality to her, she was like just 
so thankful and had and began to explain to him like you know i just thought the lord was calling me to be you know in desolation um but that's not what the lord wants you know that is not uh the proper mode of existence of the human person you right know? we are and, called and what for greatness then too is that when you're sitting there in in the depths of this desolation and you're doing it just so passively that a lot of times the the desolation will persist and will just become deeper you know right it doesn't just stay at whatever stage you decided right. to stay at. Right. But because there's always a lie that's involved. And, and, and when you're passive, you're in a sense giving credence to it. And the more that you sit there in it, imagining that there's nothing you can do and that you're hopeless. I mean, you'll become hopeless. And, uh, but there is always a lie that's present in desolation, you know. Um, right. Because we're not called to that. And you know. I think we have to we have to also differentiate that there are times when we that we are called to suffering. Sure. But that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking right. about spiritual desolation. Right. We're not talking about situations that are frustrating or um, responsibilities that we may have. Right. Speaking of which, like right now, um, <laughs> poor Jason's wife, which is me, is uh, I'm in what thirty five thirty almost thirty six weeks something like that, and. Um, so there's a lot of waddling that goes on around our house, mostly because I can't walk. And that, that would be 35 weeks of pregnancy. I think you 35 a, weeks of pregnancy. A... Sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> 35 <laughs> weeks of pregnancy. And so uh, there's a lot of things that I don't really do a lot of. Um, I don't pick up things off the floor. So if something falls on the floor, Jason gets that. He also has just been, you've been great about, you know, making the beds and everything in the morning for all of the the five people that live here right now and um, helping me a lot in that way. And, and it is, it is suffering for you. I mean, I mean but it's also an act of charity. Yeah, I know that, but it is, I it is a little, it. I mean, it is a bit of a form of suffering. I mean, it's a form of suffering when I have to do it. So, right. <laughs> so it's not that the Lord is not like, we're, we're not saying that amidst this, you're supposed to be trying to find some way to get out of it. But that there are certain instances in life where we have been called to carry a burden. And that's the cross, you know, that um, St. Paul would speak of. Mm -hmm. But in this case, we are talking about spiritual desolation. Right. So, so I just thought it was important to... Yeah, that's, that's good uh, to clarify that. So the, the first thing that he talks about doing um, and turning against the desolation is prayer. And uh, in particular, you know, petitioning the Lord. So in that moment when you feel, feel desolate and you feel called to lower things, you want to give in to some old vices that you have. Um, some, so it could be something simple as, I don't know, uh, playing a video game or if you're smoking a cigarette or those kind of things that are an escape. You know, um, it could be as simple as turning in that moment to prayer you right. know i mean simply acknowledging god's presence and asking him to please help you to stay the course you know to um let him be who it is that you turn to 
you know, right. the, the person who our restless hearts ultimately rest in. Because what, what we're doing when we turn to these lesser things is we're imagining that they somehow fulfill can us. fulfill us like only God can. And so when you do take a moment to pray, something does become less burdensome inside. You, you, can, you feel enlivened and strengthened. Yeah, and it's definitely uh, a, a direct counter to what the enemy is doing then, you know, right. if you, if, if you remember back when we talked about the definition of spiritual desolation, we said that it is a time when you feel separated from God. And so to sit and acknowledge that you are never separated from him is definitely a direct counter to that desolation. Right. And almost guaranteed, even if it's just a little bit, you know, the burden will seem lighter. So in addition to the, you know, simple petitioning type prayer, you know, he recommends moving into meditation, meditation as well. Um, again, you could, you could be simply doing something like meditating on um, a scripture verse that really grips your heart. Um, right, specifically to focus on something that sustains the truth of God's faithful love as right. a source of hope. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of one that... Like, um, he will guard our hearts with peace and a peace that passes all understanding. Yeah, right. You know, that's, always, that's definitely been a scripture that I've always um, oh, I know, relied on. I know the one that I love is um, simply recalling the prayer that Christ um, makes to the Father where he asks, you know, the Father that we should be one with him mm. and be that? consecrated in the truth. That that prayer just always brings me back, you know. Um, it's such a beautiful prayer. And, it, and it, it in particular reminds us of the reality of who we are, you know, in terms of being... John. Th- the nobility of the human person and our call to divinization to be one with the Father and the Son um, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, that always lifts my heart. Yeah, the um, the verse that I spoke of about um, and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Yeah. It's Philippians 4, 7. Um, and it's definitely something that I've remember leaning on because, you know, you just don't, sometimes you don't understand why you feel peace. Right. And there are times when, when you don't feel peace at all. So, and then the verse that Jason spoke of is from John 17, uh, 25 and 26. O righteous father, although the world has not known you yet, I have known you and these have known that you sent me and I have made your name known to them and will make it known. This is not the one that you're talking about. Just kidding. Hold on. <laughs> I think it is. Uh, it's the last part of it. Yeah. Um, so it's not 25 and 26. It starts farther up at 22. So John 17, 22. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you have loved me. Yeah. It's just incredible. Another good one is the 
Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know? Psalm 23. Yeah. Such a beautiful psalm. Um, so, you know, that's another another um, beautiful bit of advice um, to use whenever you're in desolation. The next thing he, he suggests is um, much examination. Right. Um, this part, I think, is hard. Don't you agree? Yes. If we're not careful, sometimes it can even bring confusion because you, if you start questioning, like, why am I in desolation and where is the Lord? And, you know, things can confound and you can become confused, you know? Right. Um, but if you, if you trust in the Lord and the, in that examination, recognizing that he is love and that he, um, he is not the source of your desolation and you, and you keep pursuing him, eventually the, um, the barrier can become more clear. Yeah. And the other, the other part of it too, you know, for this examination, um, on a practical level is for you to sit down and think about when did I start feeling like this? Right. Like, what have I been doing today? Is there a non-spiritual desolation too? Right. Is there not? And that'll come up as you're examining your day, you know? Um, if you think about like for me, for instance, with, with my busy day of keeping everyone alive and myself alive as well. Um, <laughs> you're a hero. Yeah. Um, thanks. <laughs> the, there's always this point, which I think we all have it regardless of what state in life or what vocation or job we have around like two, three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, you hit that lull. Right. Right. We're like, devil. yes, where you're just like, wow, sleep would be amazing right now. Or like a gallon of coffee. Um, and so what I've noticed is that it depends on whether or not I can squeeze in that nap. Okay. Like if I can only sleep for like five minutes and then I have to get up and like resume life. I'm usually an awful person. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But if I can sleep longer than that, like 20 minutes, you know, then I'm a little bit more of a nicer person. (laughs) Um, And so I have to, there are times when, you know, like I've only gotten that five minute, you know, shut eye. And then I'll have to wrangle everyone to go get Gabriel from school. And I'm like, everyone go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. And and Jeremiah never wants to go to the bathroom. And so it turns into like, just go pee already. And I'm like, wait, you're four. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Just calm down. And so then in that moment when I realize how much of a child I am acting like, I can reflect and go, actually, it's probably because I took that five minute little cat nap that didn't quite satisfy me. Right but woke up the sleep monster within me that just hates everyone. So, um, but, and as silly as an example as that is, that's really what the examination you should be doing is so true is going back through time. You know, once you've noticed that you are in this desolation, the best way to identify how to get out of it is to find out how you got in it in the first place. Yeah. And it may be, um, that it is a, a spiritual desolation that's the origin of it. And it may be something as subtle as a comment that somebody made to you, you know, like a snarky comment that really um, challenged your identity. 
you let it slip in, you know. Um, someone uh, criticized something you did, and uh, you think you've blown it off, but you've carried it along with you, and before you know it, it, it escalates into where you feel a lot of desolation. And you may not even remember it until you take the time right. to examine, and then you realize, like, wow, that is when it began, and let me face this now. No, I am not you know, whatever, uh, whatever I was challenged on, you know, whatever the thing was that was said about me, that, that is not who I am. Right. Father, Father Gallagher does a really beautiful job of, of giving an example of a guy named Ray in the book. And Ray has always been focused on growing closer to the Lord and keeping faith at the center of his life. And so, um, each day he rides a commuter train to work and he always finds time for spiritual reading on his way to work. And then when he gets to work, he might get busy, but then he also makes it a point to eat lunch basically at the same place every day to be kind, to spend some time in prayer during lunch. And um, so the next day, he finds out that he just is not feeling the way that he did the day before. You know, there's no, no thirst for spiritual reading on the way to work. There's no thirst for prayer around lunchtime. He finds himself wanting to go have lunch somewhere else, you know, even though he had, he always has lunch in a certain place so that he can pray. Um, he finds himself just wanting to kind of abandon all of those things. And so he sits there finally and decides to reflect, you know, let me examine what's happened. And he remembers that that morning he had gotten up too late. And so in the morning he was rushing yeah. And so his son wanted his attention and he brushed him off. Yep. And he remembers looking at his wife and his wife being disappointed. Yep. <laughs> and um why do you keep saying yep like that? Um so rushed and impatient, he responded to neither and he rushed off to work. Yeah. And then the enemy used that what would be just an emotional uh desolation to turn it into a spiritual desolation. Right. You know, but it's funny because, I mean, that's his first vocation, right? Right. So it's a direct. It's directly related to his vocation, and um, you know, a lot of times in those moments, I imagine like, like we imagine that our routine, like our prayer routine, even even if it's something pious in our routine, is more important than another person. Do you know what I mean? Right. So in that moment, he sort of chose like his need to rush and be on time with his other routine at the negligence of his actual vocation. Yeah. And in the book, it's really great that he, <clears throat> this fictional character, cause I'm sure this doesn't really happen to people, right? No. Right. So this fictional character named Ray, after he realizes what happened and where it all started, he stops his day to and calls his wife. Booyah. And um, <laughs> calls his wife and reconciles with her, expresses how sorry he was for his impatience that morning and how he, any hurt that he may have caused her and their son. Immediate consolation. Immediate <laughs> consolation. And, and, but what's beautiful is that Father Gallagher does a, a really, he makes a point that what brought him the consolation was the joy that he received from his wife. Hmm. which is beautiful. Um, and so then he prays as usual. 
yeah, decides yeah. to have lunch, you know, where he was going to have lunch. Now he can pray. Now he's free again. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, I love it. That Ray guy. That's he's a great. good example. Um, <laughs> and so the examination in the time of spiritual desolation, it won't happen spontaneously. You know, we have, it's going to be something that you have to choose. intentionally choose. Yep. You know, just like um, being able to pray, being able to meditate, and being able to examine whenever you're feeling desolate. You know, one way, if you're a person that doesn't normally take the time to do like a, um, an examination of conscience or spiritual examination, is you could start by praying night prayer uh, from the Liturgy of the Hours at night because it calls for an examination of conscience. And so you get used to sort of going through that um, that spiritual exercise of, you know, where am I at right now? And right. Uh, what have I done today that may have offended the Lord and other people? And how can I improve that tomorrow? And, and then right. ask the Lord for forgiveness. And You know, the other thing, too, especially in this example from Ray, is that he went from reflecting on himself in desolation to reflecting on himself, reflecting on himself yes. in desolation. Yep. <laughs> I know that that sounds like a weird... Uh, <laughs> no, it's so but true. But it is. We do. It's very tiny of us to yes. say, man, here I am in desolation. I'm just going to reflect on the fact that I feel sad or distant from God. Instead of reflecting on almost like trying to pull yourself away from yourself. Right. It's that time when you have to step back and say, why? Yep. Yes, we are in desolation. Why? Where did this come from? Yeah. And I. it's important to note, too, um, that our spiritual enemies... Um, are very much aware, you know, through body language, through through things, you know, of when we are in that state. And so they make suggestions, they play on that, and some small thing becomes the, becomes, they make it seem so big. Like, you know, you're focused on that one tree in the garden, you know, that you can't have. Um, right. And so your whole fo- your whole world can collapse when that becomes your whole world. And yep, that's why we lose hope. It's definitely that, that 80-20 rule, you know, where the Lord offers 80%. He doesn't. He offers what, way more than that. Right. But, you know, if you use that rule, this 80-20 rule, and you see this 20%, but just because you can't have it, it makes right. it seem like that's much bigger than what you do have. Um, and so quickly, because we're we're running out of time, is the fact that, the last thing to do is um, penance. Right. And and penance definitely in the way that we do the exact opposite of whatever the spirit, the, the right. evil spirit is calling us to do. And so an example of that would be like you, you've made an intent and you've made it an intention to pray even though you're in desolation. But you don't, let's say, okay, maybe you were in consolation and you said every morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend 10 minutes in prayer. But then in the middle of you making that that resolution, you enter into desolation and you start giving into this temptation to cut your prayer short. So you notice that one day you've only prayed eight minutes. Right. And it keeps getting shorter and shorter. And yep. So this rule says to do the exact opposite of that and to do some penance. Right. So maybe doing longer than the 10 minutes that right. you had done. Yeah. And so doing the exact opposite. That's good. You know, the other thing 
that I that comes to mind with me is like if you're feeling slothful, you know, like you're you're in desolation, so you're like tempted to eat, you know, or you feel Honey, like Honey, I am pregnant. I eat a lot <laughs> right now, okay? Stop looking at me. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> and so maybe fast, you know, or you know, go and kneel on the ground. Be uncomfortable in right. some way. I mean, I found that huge. Like, I'll go in the prayer room if I'm tempted towards lower things, you know, you kneel there and you intentionally become uncomfortable. And it's funny how all of a sudden you can focus again on the Lord and what's important. Things become rightly ordered again. So it has to be directly against whatever desolation is in that moment. You know, it can't be just some arbitrary... Uh, penance that has right. nothing to do, you know, because I don't think that that would really um, combat it as well. Right. You know? um, and just to close up this this rule, whenever we were talking about meditation and maybe meditating on a scripture, I really wanted to bring up this scripture that has always been um, a scripture of hope for me, and it's Isaiah 43. It's definitely one of my favorites. It says... Um, Starting midway through verse 1, it says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. And it just goes on and on um, and just talks about how you're never alone, you know. And whatever desolation you may be facing, that he is always with you, even when we don't feel him. So we hope you will come back. And be with us. Yes. And we love you and we're praying for you. Pray for us. Please pray for us. <laughs> God bless. God bless. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bullman. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.